Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them. And uh, how old would you be then? I was uh, 24. 24. Was that your first your first teaching experience? No, I had my permanent certificate. I had taught two years um, in the country school west of Aurora. Now what? Now you. What sort of school was it? How big was the school? Could you describe uh, the public school you taught in? In the two years? In, in the Islington public oh, school. Islington. It was a one-room brick school which had been divided to make two classrooms and there was a frame addition had been erected at the back of the brick school where the senior class was taught by Miss Alma Leroyd. Now, so there's three classes. Who was the other teacher? The other teacher was Miss Irma Bell of Georgetown. And was she the principal as well? No, Miss Leroyd was the principal. Now, you taught the kindergarten? Kindergarten primary. Yeah. And they came at 9 o'clock and left at 10.30. Then I taught home economics until 12 o'clock. And um, at uh, 1 o'clock or 1.30, the kindergarten primary, another kindergarten primary class came and I taught them until 2.30. Then I taught home economics from them until the class was in, sometimes four and sometimes five and sometimes six. Depending how fast they were doing all their assignments. Mm -hmm. Now, what, uh, what sort of things would you teach a primary kindergarten class? Well, they were beginners, definitely. That was their first step in public school. And they would be five and six years old? Yes. They couldn't come until they were five. And um, some came the day after their birthday, regardless of when it was. So you'd have people starting up halfway mm -hmm. through the year? It was hectic. How did you keep control of all these kids? They were very good. You would have, what, 20, 20 students? Well, I think there was, looks like about 50 people, students all together. 
This picture, when was it taken that we're referring to? This picture to? was taken in June 1919. Now, uh, what about your, uh, your uh, you had a cooking class and a home, home economics class. Uh, oh, cooking class and sewing. Now, what would you, what, what would you teach in a cooking class? Right in the room. We move the kindergarten tables to one side and uh, we uh, had a counter at the back of the room where the girls stood and on either side, they could stand on either side of the counter and we had a double sink where they could do laundry and um, we used uh, coal oil stoves for fuel. We also had cupboards for the china. Um, now what sort linen. of, say in the cooking class, what sort of things would you teach them? Oh, I have a book of, of Of what you taught? Uh, yeah, I have a book. Maybe we could, we could just talk about it and we can, I can look at that later. All right. Oh, simple things. We, um, we started with simple dishes like white sauce and milk and egg dishes and then gradually worked up to bread and cakes, fruit in season, and at Christmas time we made candy and that sort of thing. Did you ever anyone ever flunk out of? Uh... No. And uh, no, and the girls used to take treats to their teacher, whichever classroom they came from, and the boys were quite envious of the girls getting. Were there, were there any, any boys in any of these classes? Uh, I only had boys in sewing class. I didn't venture with them into cooking. Well, I guess they were teased a lot. Well, they asked to come and they, they learned to knit and, and they knit dishcloths out of string and learned to knit with wool. Just the simple stitches. What other things would you teach in, say, the, the knitting class, sewing classes? Oh, the girls made their uniforms. Everyone had to wear uniforms at school? Uh, in the cooking class they did. They had a cap and a big apron. They first made a pot holder, and then they made themselves a hand towel and then the apron and then the cat and they went on from there and made simple garments and uh, and then home economics would be sort of both those or would there be another complete no, that's all that's all included and then when they added the continuation school uh, 
when he built the new school, they added the continuation class, and those girls asked to have cooking classes. And because most of them had had graduated from the Islington class, entrance class, they had their uniforms, and so I taught them once a week from four till quitting time. You said the, the new school. Do you, do you remember when the new school was built? Well, six months in the old school, then one year in the old town hall, and then the new school was ready, so that would be about 21. Now, you, you say you taught in the, uh, the old town hall. Mm -hmm. Where was that located? Well, it's where the town hall is now on Dundas Street. So, so it had been a, a church, and it had a, they put a portable parcel partition which extended from near the door, the cent central door, to the platform. But there was no partition across the platform to the blackboard. So the other teacher who taught the intermediate room, who is now Mrs. Mabel Alfred Bolton, and I taught there for one year and also got up a Christmas concert. Now my cooking classes were discontinued partially during that year because while I could take sewing, I had the I had to arrange with Mr. Reynolds, who taught the senior class in the portable edition, where the new school was also being built for classroom time down there where the stoves were. We didn't have uh, many conveniences in that edition. It was in the new school that we had the combination home economic and kindergarten classroom. Would there be any girls that uh, that would didn't want to take the, the home economic classes? Uh-huh. They all eagerly... There weren't any girls that didn't want to. Some were hopeless. But uh, they all persevered. If they couldn't do one thing, they could do another. And uh, they weren't all experts by any means, but some were very, very clever. I didn't start cooking the classes until they were in the third book. That would be something great five today. One and two. One and get two. Get sewing and also information uh, about foods. They didn't get practice classes. But I 
and I used to take the cooking girl classes on trips into Toronto, like to Cowan's Cocoa and Naismith. These were different types of food. This would be like different uh, food preparation places or restaurants? Yes, uh, you know, round trees. Round trees. Now have it now. Oh, okay, the chocolate factory there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. Uh-huh. Places like that. Did, did many teachers do that then? Take field trips? I don't know. I don't know. I had trained at the... There had, it was the end of the war, and there was a scarcity of home economic teachers, and so we had a crash course at the University of Toronto, a household science building, a Lillian Massey building, corner by the Crossman Museum. How much would you get paid then? Would it be over a thousand dollars a year? No! Or under? Mm-hmm. Under 500? I know the first year uh, I taught before I came to Islington, I that was uh, grade, all the grades, eight grades, $300. $300 a year. Now, you mentioned you uh, did quite a bit in the community. Um, what sort of things would you do? Well, I helped with the, at the church. I was, um, this, which church was this? Uh, that is a Methodist church. I was present at the young ladies' class and supplied as a teacher and um, was in the choir. That's about all. Now I saw some, you had some pictures of a uh, choral group. Now that oh, was a. Oh, uh, yes. That wasn't, it was, uh, choral group wasn't strictly Methodist. It was all the churches. And uh, Mr. Meads, he organized it and we gave several programs, concerts. I mean, one, pro one program a year would be about all we could manage. And of course, all these, the Islington Public School was a center for any uh, concert or group. Also for the, it was a center of um, recreation classes for young people, dance teachers and musical events in the home and school club, which I helped, and also the Women's Institute. Now, the, uh, the home and school, uh, what, what would some of their activities be? Would they try to get more books for the school, or would they oh, yes. just a social? Yes, it was more or less a link between the teachers and the parents. 
Any any parents ever give you a hard time about the way you taught? I had a few. What what, what were their complaints? Do you remember? That I perhaps misjudged their children. That they were really very diligent, and yet I was still wanting to work. I wasn't too patient, I guess, with children who didn't like to apply themselves. However, I never had any trouble with my home economic class. There was always, uh, teachers were, were viewed as, as being very important influences on the children. Um, well, what sort of restrictions did they, would the community sort of put on you? Like the oh, at that time we had to live in Islington. Did they have? We any? couldn't live in Toronto and come out each day. That was relaxed later on, but by that time you you were expected to involve yourself in community activity. Did they have any sort of dress regulations for the teachers? Huh? Dress regulations? Oh yes. Well, of course, we all had, when some of us had our hair cut, it was a bit of a flare-up. And, of course, we never wore slacks. Slacks were on thought of. What about, uh, like, the length of your dresses and that? Were there, oh, yeah. There was this. Uh, uh -huh. um, there wasn't anything ever said about mine. And they were mid-calf, the length of your skirt, and tidy, I guess. We had a very fine inspector, Mr. Campbell of Weston. How often would he come through, through the school? Once a term. And you expected and everything? He liked to, he liked teachers who didn't rush home at four o'clock. The more he got out of you, the better, I guess. Uh -huh. They really worked us hard. See, Islington was the first place I had taught home economics because I had taken this crash course at the university the year before, and Weston would have liked me to had an opening for me. My father was had just died very suddenly, so it was necessary that I find a position. Your brother had uh, started up a bus service. Mm -hmm. uh, could you tell me something about that? Well, my younger brother lived with my mother and myself. Uh, he had been taking a course in communications. When my father died, he completed the course and had a temporary position at Islington while the regular chap was in service, war services. So Russell... Uh, excuse me, is Islington uh, school? Uh -huh. Is, is, you said he had a temporary job at Islington? At Islington Station, communications, telegraphy, that sort of thing. And then when the regular 
Chap came back, why, of course, she didn't have that job. And so, looking around for something else to do, he conceived the idea of having a jitney service from Keel Street to Islington, Six Corners. And he started that in 21. Then it was enlarged, he bought a larger bus, and then Vernon Bell, Mr. Bell's older son, bought another bus, and the two of them operated the buses on Dundas Street from Keel Street to Islington until 1928. I'm not just sure when it was discontinued. And then the TTC in a year or two commenced operation. What were some of the problems he would face? Uh, the cost of repairs. Is that the big one? Mm-hmm. He didn't, he wasn't able to do the repairs himself, or? Oh, no, with a brother had a heart trouble, heart condition left from inflammatory rheumatism, so he was unable to do heavy work. Now, Russell himself would drive the buses. Mm-hmm. So he operated first. At the very beginning, he just had a, a, a passenger car and in a few in a very short time he got the small bus and then the larger bus and they would run the small bus at rush hours now was it was it a profitable operation no lost money mm -hmm. what did your brother do after that he shut down the well, service then my husband and my brother well, my husband bought a farm at Elsa Craig, northwest of London, and my brother and mother lived with us. But my brother only lived two years. After you got married to, uh, to Lloyd Marshall, you, you moved to London, London, Elsie Ontario. Elsa Craig. It we moved to, we bought a farm at Elsa which is about 19 or 20 miles northwest of London. And how long did you stay there? For five or six years. So that'd then. be 1925? No. Yeah. No, 1925. We didn't buy up there until... No, we didn't buy up there until 30. Lloyd helped on the home farm. So he stayed there to about 30, 1936. 30 to 36. And then? Then we came back to Islington and rented a farm from the estate of Silverthorne Estate on the Mill Road, 200 acres. And Now which side uh, of Burnhamthorpe would that be? South of Burnhamthorpe between Burnham Thorpe Road and the Etobicoke River, which is now Markland Wood. Stayed there for about five years. Now, what type of farm was it? Was it a dairy farm? 
Yes, we were on the milk crew. Who, who picked up your milk? I'm on by the name of Mr. McGee Earl. Earl McGee, do you know where he's from? <laughs> Islington. He was from the Edenville district. And he, and he picked up the milk each morning and forgotten the name of the dairy it went to. So uh, it was just, did I grow your own grain and corn and as well? we also had, uh, we had a lot of chickens. And did you, uh, were you still teaching at this time? or I was doing supply work at Eatonville School and at Islington Public School and also at Islington High School. So how often would you be teaching? Sometimes all week. And Sometimes a day or two each week. Seldom did a week go by, but what there was. And they also offered me a, a position at uh, Dixie, but I was I wasn't able to fit that in. That's the old Dixie school. Now. Uh when you were living on the farm, did the village of Somerville still exist then? Yes. Well, could you tell me something about it? Oh, yes. By this time, my uh, son had started to school, Eatonville School. You see, we were in the corner of, we were in Etobicoke because we were on the other side of the of the river, and uh, he went to Eatonville School, so I would supply at Eatonville School. Then also I would supply at Islington School. By this time, Mother was in added care, and I had uh, I had help from. Lady in Burnhamthorpe Village. Bird, where, where was the Burnhamthorpe Village? Oh, at the corner of Burnhamthorpe and Dixie Road. Where would we all? That be Somerville? The same? No. It's a separate that village. Was, that was Burnhamthorpe. That's, uh, That's where the school is, where the graveyard is. So the that that was further beyond Somerville. No, this way. Oh, was this way? It's, it's, Burnhamthorpe Village was west of uh, Somerville. So, okay, more into the Toronto Gore Township then. There was a Catholic church on the corner of Dixie Road and Dundas, and the school was directly south of that. So you go... When you're going from Etobicoke along Burnhamthorpe, you would cross oh, the river. Oh, Dundas. Mm -hmm. And then turn up Dixie Road. Mm -hmm. Or we'd go, the, the mill farm at that time had a very rough road, the mill road from the river to uh, Bloor Street was very rough. But we could go that way. And then along the Burnhamthorpe. West. But there was no bridge going over the, the creek? Mm-hmm. 
There was. There was a bridge over the creek until 1920. 19. When was Hurricane Hazel? 58. Mm -hmm. 58. Well, it? that washed the bridge out, and it's never been replaced. So you would would you you would you, would you go into Somerville often? Oh yes, my son had to bicycle through Somerville, out our long lane, out this east, and then south along the mill road to the Dundas, and along the Dundas to 27, and up 27 to the Eatonville School. We walked it, sometimes walked it. Where would you do your shopping then? At Somerville store or Islington. Now the Somerville store, was it sort of a small general store? Yes. Now was it there? Um, it was very good. Uh, Mickey, Angus Mickey kept the Somerville store and it was very good. You would have like clothing and everything? Yes. No groceries and but the children in Somerville went to Dixie School. Bill was the only one who went to Eatonville. Now would there be any other stores of any services in Somerville? Gas station and a blacksmith shop. Do you remember who ran the gas station? Yes, Stanley Langdon. Now, did he live at, right at the gas yes, station? Yes, he lived in a brick house right beside the gas station. Okay, that's, that's fine. Thanks, thanks right. very much. Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etobicohistorical.com. See you next month.